Section 31 of The Pink Fairy Book. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elliot Miller. The Pink Fairy Book by Andrew Lang. The Troll's Daughter. From the Danish. There was once a lad who went to look for a place. As he went along, he met a man, who asked him where he was going. He told him his errand, and the stranger said, "'Then you can serve me. I am just in want of a lad like you, and I will give you good wages. A bushel of money the first year, two the second year, and three the third year. For you must serve me three years, and obey me in everything, however strange it seems to you. You need not be afraid of taking service with me, for there is no danger in it if you only know how to obey.' The bargain was made, and the lad went home with the man to whom he had engaged himself. It was a strange place indeed, for he lived in a bank in the middle of the wild forest, and the lad saw there was no other person than his master. The latter was a great troll, and had marvellous power over men and beasts. Next day the lad had to begin his service. The first thing that the troll set him to do was to feed all the wild animals from the forest. These the troll had tied up, and there were both wolves and bears, deer and hares, which the troll had gathered in the stalls and folds in his stable down beneath the ground. And that stable was a mile long. The boy, however, accomplished all this work on that day, and the troll praised him and said that it was very well done. The next morning the troll said to him, Today the animals are not to be fed. They don't get the like of that every day. You shall have leave to play about for a little, until they are to be fed again. Then the troll said some words to him which he did not understand, and with that the lad turned into a hare and ran out into the wood. He got plenty to run for, too, for all the hunters aimed at him and tried to shoot him, and the dogs barked and ran after him whenever they got wind of him. He was the only animal that was left in the wood now, for the troll had tied up all the others, and every hunter in the whole country was eager to knock him over. But in this they met with no success. There was no dog that could overtake him, and no marksman that could hit him. They shot and shot at him, and he ran and ran. It was an unquiet life, but in the long run he got used to it, when he saw that there was no danger in it and it even amused him to befool all the hunters and dogs that were so eager after him. Thus a whole year passed, and when it was over the troll called him home, for he was now in his power like all the other animals. The troll then said some words to him which he did not understand, and the hare immediately became a human being again. "'Well, how do you like to serve me?' said the troll. "'And how do you like being a hare?' The lad replied that he liked it very well. He had never been able to go over the ground so quickly before. The troll then showed him the bushel of money that he had already earned, and the lad was well pleased to serve him for another year. The first day of the second year the boy had the same work to do as on the previous one, namely, to feed all the wild animals in the troll's stable. When he had done this the troll again said some words to him and with that he became a raven, and flew high up into the air. This was delightful, the lad thought. He could go even faster now than when he was a hare, and the dogs could not come after him here. This was a great delight to him, but he soon found out that he was not to be left quite at peace, for, 
all the marksmen and hunters who saw him aimed at him and fired away, for they had no other birds to shoot at than himself, as the troll had tied up all the others. This, however, he also got used to, when he saw that they could never hit him, and in this way he flew about all that year, until the troll called him home again, said some strange words to him, and gave him his human shape again. "'Well, how did you like being a raven?' said the troll. "'I liked it very well,' said the lad, "'for never in all my days have I been able to rise so high.' The troll then showed him the two bushels of money which he had earned that year, and the lad was well content to remain in his service for another year. Next day he got his old task of feeding all the wild beasts. When this was done the troll again said some words to him, and at these he turned into a fish and sprang into the river. He swam up and he swam down, and thought it was pleasant to let himself drive with the stream. In this way he came right out into the sea and swam further and further out. At last he came to a glass palace, which stood at the bottom of the sea. He could see into all the rooms and halls where everything was very grand. All the furniture was of white ivory, inlaid with gold and pearl. There were soft rugs and cushions of all the colors of the rainbow, and beautiful carpets that looked like the finest moss, and flowers and trees with curiously crooked branches, both green and yellow, white and red, and there were also little fountains which sprang up from the most beautiful snail-shells, and fell into bright mussel-shells, and at the same time made a most delightful music, which filled the whole palace. The most beautiful thing of all, however, was a young girl who went about there all alone. She went about from one room to another, but did not seem to be happy with all the grandeur she had around her. She walked in solitude and melancholy, and never even thought of looking at her own image in the polished glass walls that were on every side of her, although she was the prettiest creature anyone could wish to see. The lad thought so too while he swam around the palace and peeped in from every side. Here, indeed, it would be better to be a man than such a poor dumb fish. As I am now, said he to himself, if I could only remember the words that the troll says when he changes my shape, then perhaps I could help myself to become a man again. He swam and he pondered and he thought over this until he remembered the sound of what the troll said, and then he tried to say it himself. In a moment he stood in human form at the bottom of the sea. He made haste to enter the glass palace, and went up to the young girl and spoke to her. At first he nearly frightened the life out of her, but he talked to her so kindly and explained how he had come down there that she soon recovered from her alarm, and was very pleased to have some company to relieve the terrible solitude that she lived in. Time passed so quickly for both of them that the youth, for now he was quite a young man, and no more a lad, forgot altogether how long he had been there. One day the girl said to him that now it was close on the time when he must become a fish again. The troll would soon call him home, and he would have to go. But before that he must put on the shape of a fish, otherwise he could not pass through the sea alive. Before this, while he was staying down there, she had told him that she was a daughter of the same troll whom the youth served, and he had shut her up there to keep her away from everyone. She had now devised a plan by which they could perhaps succeed in getting to see each other again, and spending the rest of their lives together. 
but there was much to attend to, and he must give careful heed to all that she told him. She told him then that all the kings in the country round about were in debt to her father the troll, and the king of a certain kingdom, the name of which she told him, was the first who had to pay, and if he could not do so at the time appointed he would lose his head. "'And he cannot pay,' said she. "'I know that for certain. Now you must, first of all, give up your service with my father. The three years are past, and you are at liberty to go. You will go off with your six bushels of money to the kingdom that I have told you of, and there enter the service of the king.' When the time comes near for his debt becoming due, you will be able to notice by his manner that he is ill at ease. You shall then say to him that you know well enough what it is that is weighing upon him, that it is the debt which he owes to the troll and cannot pay, but that you can lend him the money. The amount is six bushels, just what you have. You shall, however, only lend them to him on the condition that you may accompany him when he goes to make the payment and that you then have permission to run before him as a fool. When you arrive at the troll's abode, you must perform all kinds of foolish tricks, and see that you break a whole lot of his windows, and do all other damage that you can. My father will then get very angry, and as the king must answer for what his fool does, he will sentence him, even although he has paid his debt, either to answer three questions or to lose his life. The first question my father will ask will be, Where is my daughter? Then you shall step forward and answer, She is at the bottom of the sea. He will then ask you whether you can recognize her, and to this you will answer, Yes. Then he will bring forward a whole troop of women, and cause them to pass before you, in order that you may pick out the one that you take for his daughter. You will not be able to recognize me at all, and therefore I will catch hold of you as I go past, so that you may notice it, and you must then make haste to catch me and hold me fast. You have then answered his first question. His next question will be, Where is my heart? You shall then step forward again and answer, It is in a fish. Do you know that fish? he will say, and you will again answer, Yes. He will then cause all kinds of fish to come before you, and you shall choose between them. I shall take good care to keep by your side, and when the right fish comes I will give you a little push, and with that you will seize the fish and cut it up. Then all will be over with the troll, he will ask no more questions, and we shall be free to wed. When the youth had got all these directions as to what he had to do when he got ashore again, the next thing was to remember the words which the troll said when he had changed him from a human being to an animal. But these he had forgotten, and the girl did not know them either. He went about all day in despair, and thought and thought, but he could not remember what they sounded like. During the night he could not sleep, until towards morning he fell into a slumber, and all at once it flashed upon him what the troll used to say. He made haste to repeat the words, and at the same moment he became a fish again and slipped out into the sea. Immediately after this he was called upon, and swam through the sea up the river to where the troll stood on the bank and restored him to human shape with the same words as before. "'Well, how do you like to be a fish?' asked the troll. "'It was what he had liked best of all,' said the youth, and that was no lie, as everybody can guess.' 
The troll then showed him the three bushels of money which he had earned during the past year. They stood beside the other three, and all the six now belonged to him. "'Perhaps you will serve me for another year yet,' said the troll, "'and you will get six bushels of money for it. That makes twelve in all, and that's a pretty penny.' "'No,' said the youth. He thought he had done enough, and was anxious to go to some other place to serve, and learn other people's ways. But he would perhaps come back to the troll some other time. The troll said that he would always be welcome. He had served him faithfully for the three years they had agreed upon, and he could make no objections to his leaving now. The youth then got his six bushels of money, and with these he betook himself straight to the kingdom which his sweetheart had told him of. He got his money buried in a lonely spot close to the king's palace, and then went in there and asked to be taken into service. He obtained his request, and was taken on as a stableman, to tend the king's horses. Some time passed, and he noticed how the king always went about sorrowing and grieving, and was never glad or happy. One day the king came into the stable, where there was no one present except the youth, who said straight out to him that, with his majesty's permission, he wished to ask him why he was so sorrowful. "'It is of no use speaking about that,' said the king. "'You cannot help me at any rate.' "'You don't know about that,' said the youth. "'I know well enough what it is that lies so heavy on your mind, and I know also of a plan to get the money paid.' This was quite another case, and the king had more talk with the stableman, who said that he could easily lend the king the six bushels of money, but would only do it on condition that he should be allowed to accompany the king when he went to pay the debt, and that he should then be dressed like the king's court fool and run before him. He would cause some trouble, for which the king would be severely spoken to, but he would answer for it that no harm would befall him. The king gladly agreed to all that the youth proposed, and now it was high time for them to set out. When they came to the troll's dwelling it was no longer in the bank, but on the top of this there stood a large castle which the youth had never seen before. The troll could, in fact, make it visible or invisible just as he pleased, and, knowing as much as he did of the troll's magic arts, the youth was not at all surprised at this. When they came near to this castle, which looked as if it was of pure glass, the youth ran on in front as the king's fool. Heron sometimes facing forwards, sometimes backwards, stood sometimes on his head, and sometimes on his feet, and he dashed in pieces so many of the trolls' big glass windows and doors that it was something awful to see, and overturned everything he could, and made a fearful disturbance. The troll came rushing out, and was so angry and furious, and abused the king with all his might for bringing such a wretched fool with him as he was sure that he could not pay the least bit of all the damage that had been done when he could not even pay off his old debt. The fool, however, spoke up and said that he could do so quite easily, and the king then came forward with the six bushels of money which the youth had lent him. They were measured and found to be correct. This the troll had not reckoned on, but he could make no objection against it. The old debt was honestly paid, and the king got his bond back again but there still remained all the damage that had been done that day, and the king had nothing with which to pay for this. The troll therefore sentenced the king either to answer three questions that he would put to him, or have his head taken off, as was agreed in the old bond. 
There was nothing else to be done than to try to answer the troll's riddles. The fool then stationed himself just by the king's side while the troll came forward with his questions. His first asked, "'Where is my daughter?' The fool spoke up and said, "'She is at the bottom of the sea.' "'How do you know that?' said the troll. "'The little fish saw it,' said the fool. "'Would you know her?' said the troll. "'Yes, bring her forward,' said the fool. The troll made a whole crowd of women go past them, one after the other. But all these were nothing but shadows and deceptions. Amongst the very last was the troll's real daughter, who pinched the fool as she went past him, to make him aware of her presence. He thereupon caught her round the waist and held her fast, and the troll had to admit that his first riddle was solved. Then the troll asked again, "'Where is my heart?' "'It is in a fish,' said the fool. "'Would you know that fish?' said the troll. "'Yes, bring it forward,' said the fool. Then all the fishes came swimming past them, and meanwhile the troll's daughter stood just by the youth's side. When at last the right fish came swimming along she gave him a nudge, and he seized it at once, drove his knife into it and split it up, took the heart out of it, and cut it through the middle. At the same moment the troll fell dead and turned into pieces of flint. With that all the bonds that the troll had bound were broken. All the wild beasts and birds which he had caught and hid under the ground were free now, and dispersed themselves in the woods and in the air. The youth and his sweetheart entered the castle, which was now theirs, and held their wedding, and all the kings round about, who had been in the troll's debt, were now out of it came to the wedding and saluted the youth as their emperor, and he ruled over them all and kept peace between them, and lived in his castle with his beautiful empress in great joy and magnificence, and if they had not died since they are living there to this day. End of The Troll's Daughter Recording by Elliot Miller www.voiceofee.com